the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The gospel is the most inclusive worldview that there is. Don't let anyone else tell you any other way. Because all of mankind has the same problem. We all need Jesus. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So in Christ, what do you see when you read the New Testament? The Christian, the Jewish Pharisee, the pagan philosopher, the king, the shepherd, the prostitute, they can all sit down together. Why? Because their presence before Christ has nothing to do with who they are. Their presence before Christ has to do with who he is. That's why in the church, all are welcome. We recognize that this is a place for sinners to gather. It's a It's a hospital for those that desperately need the great physician because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need what Christ accomplished, his grace for all of us. But then notice this, and then I want to wrap this up. Godly worship always leads to giving. Giving is always a byproduct. Of genuine worship. Now, I think you can take that statement outside of the church. Because as you're going to see in a minute, there's a lot of things we worship. And when you worship something, you give to it. If you're worshiping your boat, guess what? You keep piling stuff on it. You're worshiping your kids, that's where everything's going. But when you worship Jesus... You're compelled to give your best to him. There'll be a lot of giving over these next couple of weeks. You can give without worshiping. But I don't think you can worship without giving. So look at verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country By another way. Say this. Say another way. Let's pray together. Jesus, show us another way. Help us to have a different kind of Christmas. Lord, may we, like the earliest of your followers did in the book of Acts, may we stand out counter to our culture. May we be like you. So in order for that to happen, continue to teach us what we don't know. Continue to give us what we don't have. And Lord, help us just to walk away different. Lord, if there be someone here, and I'm confident there is, who does not know you, may this be the day of their salvation. 
Lord, let the words of my mouth and even my thoughts please you because you are my strength. You are my redeemer. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, three simple bullet points I want to give you and and then we're going to pray and we'll, we'll go on to what's next. The first thing is this. It's just a general truth. All people have treasures. All people have treasures. I'm reading in this passage and in verse 11, it says, and going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures. So going back to where we started, a little boy in the dentist who's going to that paper treasure chest or a baseball player on a field who begins to find gold. The truth is all of us have treasures. What are you treasuring? What are are the things that matter most to you? That's all I'm asking. Is it your relationships? Is it some possessions that you've managed to assemble? Is it that stock portfolio or that retirement account or the car you drive or the house you live in? What do you treasure? And by the way, you don't have to be wealthy to have treasures, do you? You can have things that are special. We're cleaning out my parents' house. And you know what I discovered when we were cleaning out my parents' house? I was looking through my dad's stuff, and I I found his dog tag from when he was in the Marines. That's a treasure. That's awesome. A lot of stuff like that. I was going through my mom's desk drawers, and she's a a little bit of a, what do you call it? Yeah, a hoarder, yes. Um, And so, like, she's the kind... She cuts out articles out of the newspaper. So we literally have, or shall I say had, um, every article that Billy Graham wrote in every newspaper that's ever been published. Not, Not really, but I was going through that drawer and I came across some correspondence with the Sunday school board of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's what Lifeway used to be called. It was from the mid 60s. And I began to realize that my mother had written an article. And the article had been published by the Sunday School Board. And it was an article written in, I think, 1966 on how to teach the Bible to very small children. And I'm a recipient of that. I never knew it. My mom never tooted her horn. She did it in the drawer. She probably forgot it. But she had a copy of the check they gave her. $20 for all her hard work. (laughs) That's, wow, there's not going to be an inheritance. But anyway. (laughs) Boy, that's a treasure to me. What do you treasure? Where where are you putting your focus? What, What are the things you're holding on to? And then examine that in light of the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, but where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And literally when you look at the way this is worded in that language, what it's literally saying is there your heart already is. Don't say, like a little child can say, I've given my heart to Jesus. If your treasures don't demonstrate 
that to be a reality. For where your treasure is, there your heart already is. And all people have treasures. But wise people, wise people hold their treasures loosely. So again, verse 11, they, they bow before Jesus in worship and they open their treasures to him. I, I mentioned last week, it's interesting, isn't it? We know specifically what these wise men brought. They brought him gold. Do you know why that was likely significant? It was a gift for a king. These wise leaders, perhaps kings himself, magi, People like Daniel in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these would have been magi or wise men. They were bringing a gift fit for our king. Why? Because Jesus is a sovereign king. And one day, according to scripture, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus the Christ is Lord. Then they brought him frankincense. Why would they do that? Frankincense was what the priest would use. It's a priestly gift. So they recognized he was king, but I believe as a result of that divine and specific revelation, they recognized his deity. He was a divine baby boy. He was unlike anyone who had ever entered the world. And by the way, just to remind you, that's what separates Christianity from every other world religion out there there's a lot that are okay with Jesus. They just don't believe he's God. We do. I believe the wise men did based on this gift. And then they brought myrrh. Do you know what myrrh? That's kind of a fun word to say. They just go myrrh. Myrrh. You know what myrrh was? It's embalming fluid. Now that seems kind of odd. Unless, of course, through general revelation and then specific revelation, they had reason to believe that this baby boy, born a king, living as God, would one day die a sacrificial death. Which reminds us what we must never forget. That the baby born in the cradle was intended for the cross. The gifts they brought to Jesus. And yet they held them loosely. So we're talking about what you treasure. Let me just kind of ask you. Are you holding your treasures loosely? How about this? If Jesus today said, hey, I need you to give this to me. Would you? Could you? That, that's a biblical principle, right? goes way back. Abraham's one of the familiar stories, right? Jesus told him to take his, what? His son. And then God provided the ram, the lamb. If Jesus asked of you something, could you give it? Or, or, or are you holding it too tightly? If, if you're holding it too tightly, that, that tells me maybe your priorities are out of whack. Maybe you're worshiping the wrong things. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. I love this quote by John Piper. When you give a gift to Christ like this, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it's, it's a way of saying, the joy I pursue, and he's referring to verse 10 where it says, they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The joy that I pursue is not the hope of getting rich by bartering with you or negotiating some payment. So we don't give to Jesus in an effort to, to be prosperous. That's a false gospel that's called the prosperity gospel. I don't give to get. I give to forget that I gave so that I can give to forget and give again. The joy that I pursue is not the hope of getting rich by bartering with you or negotiating some payment. I have not come to you for your things, but for yourself. And this desire I now intensify and demonstrate by giving up things in the hope of enjoying you more. Which, by the way, that's why we fast, right? Fast is a spiritual discipline of giving up so that I can have more of God. So when I fast from food, I'm saying, God, I want you to be my nourishment during these days. And when those hunger pains come or when I recognize it's time to eat, I want to turn my attention to you. Then just in case you're wondering, Jesus taught us that some things only come by prayer and through fasting. So I now intensify and demonstrate by giving up these things in the hope of enjoying more of you, not more of things. And by giving to you what you do not need and what I might enjoy, I'm saying more earnestly and authentically, you are my treasure, not these things. Which leads me again to say, if you are holding on too tightly, what you're saying is these things are my treasure. So I've just learned, and I learned it the hard way. I learned it even as a pastor. I think you can be sincere in your faith, trying to make right choices, but there are parts of your heart you're hiding out. And you've kind of petitioned off and not given over to God. And that's what I'd like you just to wrestle through. Is there any area of your life where you said, not these things, Lord, not this relationship, uh, not this habit, uh, not my boat, not this hobby, uh, not that friendship. One of the most moving experiences I've had in several years as pastor here at the church is the story of a young couple years ago that had been saving for the purchase of their home. And yet when our church was walking through a time asking people to prayerfully and sacrificially give to leave a legacy, they felt compelled to give that which they had saved for another purpose they held it loosely. So let's do an exercise real quick. Um, everybody can do this. Take your hands and just clench your fists like this. Clench your fists. You see what you kind of naturally do? If you clench your fists, you're kind of naturally drawn to clench your teeth, aren't you? Now let them <laughs> let them go. 
What happens when you let go? It relaxes you. So my parents wanted to protect their collegiate investment in me. And so before I started classes my freshman year, they had me in this study group. And one of the things I was taught was how to relax. And it's the only time I can ever remember intentionally falling asleep in class. Because we would sit there and they taught us how to go from the bottom of our toes to the top of our head and to clench our muscles one by one, holding it for 10 seconds and then releasing it to relax your body. This day, 30 years later, if I can't sleep, I lie in bed and I start with my toes I'll hold them tight for 10 seconds and then I'll release them for 10 seconds. Because when you open, when you release, it relaxes you. And and some of you are wondering why your life is so uptight, why you're so stressed out, or why things just don't seem to work out. I'm just telling you, you're holding on too tight to something that's not yours anyway. Because the last time I checked, it's all his. Everything that's there is his. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. The mountains that the cattle are on are his. It's all his. And so would you just give this Christmas, and not just to your kids and, and your grandkids, use these cards. Go through a drive through Surprise the person behind you. Be a giver. Give to your church. I hope you're seeing that we're trying to steward well the gifts that you give. Give to missions. We've got this audacious goal, this huge goal that in the next six months we want to collect. Now we need $75,000 more to give $100,000 straight to missionaries on top of everything else we do. Give to that. On Christmas Eve, we're going to take an offering on Christmas Eve. And every $1 that's given... $100 of that will go to pay off medical bills for people in Hillsborough County. So if we collect $10,000, just think of that. $10,000 make a significant impact. Be a giver. Boy, you can look through every Black Friday ad. You can get every deal of the day from Amazon and everywhere else. Uh, You could get every Christmas present on your list, but I promise you none of that, none of that, will stand up against the truth of the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the reason is, is the third thing I want you to see. It's because wise people treasure people more than things. I mentioned earlier, you will always worship that which matters most to you. So you're, you're worshiping something or someone. And, and some of you, are, just be honest, some of you are worshiping your kids or your grandkids. Some of you are worshiping your spouse. Some of you are worshiping your work. Or you're, you're worshiping that income that you've depended on. And, and one way you know you're worshiping is because you get to a place where it's taken away without any warning and you realize, oh, wow. The way you make sure your worship priority is right is you remember who's designed to get the glory. So whether it was shepherd or wise men, what we see is they're driven to their knees in worship. 
Uh, I don't endorse this movie, but there is kind of a funny modern Christmas story called Four Christmases. It tells the story of blended families during the holidays. And Vince Vaughn, who can be very funny, is one of the characters. And he finds himself in the midst of a Christmas nativity scene at a church. And he's loving it because he's at center stage as Joseph. And then he figures out he's not the main character. And so he tries to remedy that to get all the attention. Why? Because he's just like you and me. We want the glory. But when you recognize that it's not what I have, it's not what other people think of me, but it's who he is and how I worship him. When you get those priorities right in your life, And things begin to change. I think that's what it comes down to. You've got to decide who's going to get the glory in your little corner of the world. So what will it be? And I love Christmas time. The wise men and the shepherd, they needed that big general revelation of God to get to the specific revelation of Jesus. They needed stars or angels Man, we're so lucky. We've got God's word. And and it tells us he's already given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. You've got everything. Say everything. You've got everything you need to find Jesus. Have you found him? So last week after preaching four times, I ended our service at our Lake Carroll campus. I stepped down off the stage. We always present the gospel of Jesus and I always give people like you an opportunity to respond. And I did that day, but I did not ask for a come forward invitation. We didn't sing a hymn. We didn't ask people to come down. But at the end of the service, I noticed this lady walking toward me with great intent. And so I walked up to her. I said, hey. She said, I need Jesus. Well, I had seen her in her seat. I knew who she was almost every Sunday that we've been meeting there. I said, yeah, man, me too. How how can I help you? And then she raised her voice a little bit and she said, I need Jesus. And she's a senior lady and. I didn't know at that time. She's 84 years old. But I wanted to treat her with great respect. And I said, are you saying you need to, you need to be saved? She said, yes. Kind of like, what is it going to take for you to understand that? <laughs> she said, yes, I need to be saved. She said, in fact, I knew before I ever got to church, I needed to walk down the aisle this morning. And then you didn't give a public invitation. She said, the Holy Spirit of God pushed me out of my seat because I need Jesus. And we sat down on the front row of that church and with tears in both of our eyes, that lady that said she was baptized in a church when she's 11 years old, but for 70 years of her life, she's known that if she died, she wouldn't go to heaven. 
And every time she's heard that, she's felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And she said, I don't know why, but for some reason, God has graced me and given me life so that I can get this right. And here's the reality. Just like the shepherds, just like the wise men, those who seek Jesus, just like Miss Barbara, will always find him. Have you found him today? When you do, it changes things. But if you've not met Jesus, I pray that this Christmas you begin to treasure him for who he is. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.